0: The the book of Ephesians is kind of a macro version of that, okay? The book starts out in the indicative mood, several chapters, and we get to the end of chapter three, it changes over into the imperative mood. Uh, And I have have a confession to make, I read Ephesians many, many times, uh, starting, how old are you, son? Yeah, maybe a couple years older than you, I started reading the book of Ephesians, and I would fall asleep, I I resolved myself, I'm going to read the book before I go to sleep, and I would fall asleep around chapter three. For a long time, and I, and I think that we as Christians kind of fall asleep sometimes at chapter 3 because we can rest in what God has done for us. We can rest in the indicative mood of, of, of the wonderful things God has done for us, the wonderful plans he has for us, what he's done in Christ for us, and we miss the imperative mood. What do we do about that? Okay, I used to go to a church that we, uh, we joked around and called the Indicative Mood Church, this is Bill Hulligan's name for Riverside Bible Church, the Indicative Mood Church, because we camped out in the Indicative Mood. Uh, it's a great place to camp out. God is sovereign. You know, He chose us. You know, all that is wonderful news of what Jesus did, But but that's not the whole Scripture. And so, the book, the, the book of Ephesians is kind of two parts. It's part one is the indicative mood, and part two is the imperative mood. And the indicative mood is great. Uh, we're spiritually blessed in Christ. We have obtained an inheritance. We've been predestined according to his purpose. Uh, we, uh, you know, Paul gives thanks. Uh, by grace you were saved through faith, that not of yourself. We're one in Christ. Um, the mystery of the gospel is revealed. Jesus is, is, is the uniter of a Jew and Gentile, the cosmic reconciler. And the unity in the body, and then we, we start talking, we, we start changing now in chapter 4, unity in the body. Uh, we start getting admonitions uh, to what the new life in Christ looks like. Uh, put away falsehood. Speak the truth. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal. On and on and on we start getting these imperative moods. Those are grounded in the indicative mood. The only re- the only way the imperative mood makes sense is to understand this by grace we're saved. The the imperative mood why people are scared of the imperative mood is we don't have want to have a checklist like Alex mentioned of salvation. We don't want we know that it's wrong to have a checklist. You know I have I have Muslim friends. Uh you know they they you know, my daughter visited a mosque this week. I mean, these people are good people, you know, they really are. Uh, they don't want to kill us. Uh, they, 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 they love Jesus. They believe that Jesus is divine. They believe he was uh, born of a virgin. They believe he'll come again. They, they believe he's the Messiah. But they don't believe that he died for their sin. It's a huge difference, right? It's a huge difference. Now, I want to ask you today do you believe Jesus died for your sin? It makes a difference. It makes a difference of why we do what we do, right? So we can have a a wonderfully moral-looking life. You know, I don't drink and what's that thing? I don't chew or go out with girls that do or whatever that is. You know, I don't eat pork. I don't uh, go to movies. I don't wear fingernail polish. I really shouldn't do that anyhow. Um, All these things, right? Uh, Do those make us right with God? No, we know that they don't. But it's, it's not like... It's not like Christian living and discipleship is bad because God tells us to do these certain things. And you know what it is. You can read his word. I just read some of the imperative mood verbs. But it matters why. And the reason why is because Christ died for sinners. Like Pete said, You know, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And and that indicative mood sets up the imperative mood. So as we go through the rest of Ephesians, we see all these commands to walk in love. Walk in love. It's a, it's a command. A sexual immorality must be put away. These aren't just suggestions. These are commands. If you're caught up in something you shouldn't be caught up in, you need to repent of that thing, man, and get rid of it. Right? And you need to do that. Why? Because Christ died for you, and he created us. You know, here's what's interesting. When, when, we, when, we, look at the, when we look at the indicative mood, um, a lot of people miss this. Um, we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Why? Anybody know? To do good works, is that interesting? So we move through, and we move through the whole uh, chapter five uh, of family relationships. Children, be obedient to your parents. You know, employers, uh, be nice to your employees. Employees, do what your employer says. Uh, submit to one another. Uh, wives, husbands, uh, wives submit to their husbands. Husbands, love love your wife as Christ loved the church. All these commands, we see the 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 kind of surprise ending at the end of chapter five. That all that is. To demonstrate Christ's love of the church, a surprise ending. The mystery, the mystery that Christ came to redeem us. Chapter six. um, We get the whole armor of God. You know, we know all these things. Put on. These are all. These are all commands. Put on the full armor of God. Um, You know, breastplate of righteousness, feet, all, all that, and we get down to the final greetings. Um, of, of Paul, wrapping up this whole letter of the indicative and the imperative mood, and we get this statement, so that you may know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ, with love incorruptible. It's easy for us to like brush over the the uh, the uh, greeting and the and the the ending of, of of letters. It's like oh yeah that again. It's just like you know, dear you know, Peter, love Tom at the end. I mean you know kind of you can take off the the salutation and and, and you could take off the ending and you just get to the meat of the letter, right? I do that a lot, but this is important that we focus on the end of this letter. So let's do a little line by line study quickly here. First of all, we we are introduced to a guy named Tychicus. Let's all say Tichicus, ready? Tichicus. Isn't that a cool sounding word? Let's try it to get children. Come on, ready? Tichicus. Isn't that a neat word? I think uh, if I had a son, I would name him Tichicus. Um, I don't have a son, so I wouldn't name him Tichicus. But uh, actually if anybody ever accuses you of pronouncing the word wrong, you can pronounce it in the Greek, which is Tychikos. Tychikos. Okay? Uh, but we say Tichicus. Look, who is Tichicus? Anybody know who Tichicus is? You don't know who Tychicus is? He's, yeah, he's kind of obscure. He has these names in the Bible. You come to him and you just come him and, and you read on. Tychicus is actually kind of famous. He's Paul's... Uh, I looked it up in the dictionary. And uh, what's, what's funny about this is that uh, uh, in, in, in the Bible it says, uh, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord. Okay, so I look up in a Bible dictionary who is Tychicus, and it says he's a beloved brother and faithful minister uh, along with Paul. And, and that's who he is. We don't know a lot about him. He's mentioned in Acts. Uh, he was pr- uh, probably from Asia. Uh, now, look, when you read Asia in the Bible, it doesn't mean China. okay? It means Asia Minor or part of Turkey, what's now modern-day Turkey. Paul's missionary journeys, he went all through that area. Uh, you know, Colossians, uh, Colossae, uh, Ephesus, all those places were, were in kind of Turkey. And so, so uh, Tychicus was from there, from that region. We see in Acts. Uh, we see him mentioned in Ephesians. We see him mentioned in Colossians. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Anyhow, Tychicus is, is a co-worker, a co-worker of Paul and uh, a friend of the, in the gospel. You know, I kind of I see, you know, our relationship that way too. I don't know, like, like Peter. You know, I'm really excited he's going to, to Bulgaria, you know, and we're, we're kind of like, we're all kind of going places uh, for the gospel. You know, Tychicus was like that. I see this place like that. You know, I look back and see Steve. I mean, I know we're fellow, you know, uh, uh, ministers of the gospel. We see all of you, uh, fathers, mothers, children. We're all ministers of the gospel wherever we go. And we're kind of going, going around doing this. I think this is what the church looks like. But, but why was he being sent to Ephesus? Well, let's, uh, let's, why, why was he being sent, uh, to the Ephesians? Well, uh, why, uh, is, why does it say anybody in the text? Why don't you read the text and answer this? This is class time. Why was Tychicus being sent to the Ephesians? Anybody? Okay, I'll call on my children. Children, why is Tychicus being sent to the Ephesians? Yeah, yeah, he was sent there to, to, to give him news of Paul and how he's doing, Right? Uh, that's cool. Now, what's what's interesting about this, and this gives us a little problem, a lot of people say the Bible isn't really true, and that I don't know why people go through so much trouble to to try to undermine Scripture. Well, I do. The devil is out to do it. But people say, well, Paul didn't really write Ephesians. It was somebody else. And he didn't write Colossians. It was somebody else. Well, you know, why why would we even ask that question? I mean, it doesn't even make any sense uh, that, that we would... Uh, Question that says Paul, an apostle. I mean, he starts out the letter; it's from him. The, one of the reasons, and I think this is ridiculous. One of the reasons that people say that, that Paul didn't write both Ephesians and Colossians is because of this. Um, will you turn with me quickly uh, to um, turn with me quickly to Colossians four seven. And read that there, and you'll see it says, Tychicus will, t- will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Doesn't that sound a lot like our passage in Ephesians? What's Ephesians say? Uh, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose. I mean, it's almost identical wording. So people say, look, that can't be the same guy writing that, right? Somebody uh, copied from one of the epistles into this epistle. I mean, I think that's a dumb argument. Like, why wouldn't they copy other stuff? Why that one thing? I think the obvious reason here, uh, how we can explain the similarities between these two passages, is the same guy wrote both of them, and he's sending Tychicus to both of these places with both of these letters at the same time, and these letters are meant to be circulated around the Christian community. So it's not surprising. I do that, and, you know, Paul didn't probably even have Microsoft Word. I cut and paste all the time. Like, when I'm writing a letter, I say, oh, that's a pretty good thing. I'll cut that out. I'll stick that there. And, and, you know, I think that uh, this is not uncommon. Uh, that, that, that Paul would say the same thing to the people in Colossae as he would to the people in Ephesus. I mean, I don't see any problem with that at all. So, so, uh, when, when you hear that, when you go back to Colossians and see that, you may look in some commentaries, oh, this was, you know, copied or something like that. That's a bunch of baloney. Uh, that's not true at all. Paul wrote both of these letters and, and they're what they are. So, um, here's, um, I wanna, I wanna kinda get into some applications here real quick. What is, uh, what application can we make of Tychicus's life to our lives today? So, look, we read the Bible. The Bible's there for a reason. God tells us, uh, you know, gives us his word. What application can we make? Tychicus was sent by Paul. And, and you know, I opened up with this, with this greeting. Uh, Dear Tom, we're doing well. We're praying for you and everybody at GCF this morning. Your pastor is in Florida, and, you know, and he sends his greetings, right, uh, by, through me. You know, I get the, I mean, you know, we have email, it's a little bit different. But it's not a whole lot different, Right? That we send greetings to one another. We're one body of Christ. And this idea of Tychicus going there should be uh, what we do. When we, when we go, tell, you know, tell them, man, I'm praying for them. I love them. You know, maybe we'll send a letter. You know, Peter, I'm going to have his card on my refrigerator right, and, and be thinking about him. If I, you know, we, we may send him letters. And we, we do that to one another, right? I mean, I think we use Facebook. Some of us do now. I don't really like that stuff. But it's all the same thing. We, want, we care about our body. Okay, second thing is this. Um, um, Ephesians concludes with the same two words that begin the letter. Okay, I'll give you a hint. Ephesians 1, 1 and 1 2 says grace, uh, gra- Ephesians one 2 says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Ephesians 6, 23 says, uh, Peace to the brothers and love uh, with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you. Okay, so Paul's formula of peace, grace and peace is all over the Bible, right? I always open my letters with that. I always say to people, "Grace and peace in Christ," because it's such a good thing. Look, if, if there's two things that really are important, it's grace, what God's done for us, and it's peace, what how we uh, how we um, how we live in knowledge of grace. When you know what God's done for you, there's peace and there's rest, because God has done it, right? God is the one who's done it. He has achieved the victory. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again, and he showed God what he'd done, and God, de- God declared him, de- declared it finished and, and over. And once and for all good, we read in Hebrews, you know that Christ entered the holy places and became our once-for-all sacrifice. Look, in light of that, in light of that grace, we have peace. I want to break this down just a little bit, just a couple of minutes, give me, not very long, sorry about this, but it's, I think it's important. Why is the order reversed at the, at here? Okay, look at this. If you look at the beginning of Ephesians, it says grace and peace. If you look at the end of, the, of Ephesians, it says peace and grace. Well, there's this kind of a sandwich in Ephesians of peace. And I want to look at peace, and, and peace is placed in a very prominent place in the Greek language, so we should look at the word peace and, and wonder why God is, what, God, what is God telling us? What is God telling you right now through his word by, by this, this placement of the word peace? Well, peace is emphasized, and peace is a theme of Ephesians. It's all over Ephesians. It starts out, grace and peace to you. Uh, we, look, we get down to verse 4, uh, eager to maintain the unity of the bond and peace. We see in 6.15, uh, the gospel of peace. It's like the shoes of our feet. But in the middle of Ephesians, in the most important part, God tells us this in Ephesians 2, 11 through 16. And this is important, what God tells us about peace. Ephesians two eleven through sixteen. Therefore, first of all, he says, "By grace you're saved through faith, and that not of your own, lest any man should boast." And right? he says, "Therefore, because of that, I mean, I mean, Ephesians two eleven. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision. So he's speaking to Gentiles here by what is called the circumcision. This is the Jews. Um, which is, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were, at that time, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's a pretty bad situation to be in, right? He says, remember that. But now, but now, that's a great study to do, by the way. Go through the Bible and look at all the but nows. <laughs> it's great. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near Who's the both? Jew and Gentile in this, in this case. My reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Through, for through him we both have access to one spirit and to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, all joined together, and so forth. This is really, really important. This is so huge. Folks, please bear with me. This peace and reconciliation go together. Okay? Peace and reconciliation go together. The peace in... Now, now peace, if you look it up in a, in a lexicon, uh, peace, the Greek word is irene. Irene, and it means, it can mean kind of three different things, and it's kind of the way we use peace. Uh, peace can mean harm, harmony and like tranquility. Like, uh, children, have you ever heard your parents say, just give me some peace? Am I the only parent that ever said that? Yeah. Just give me some peace. What do we mean by that? I just want some peace and quiet. That just means like, you know, tranquility. You know? Um, that's one way. Another, another sense of peace is, is like health, like good health, in the shalom sense of, of the Hebrew shalom. Peace meaning good health and, and, and good, may it go well with you. Finally, the third meaning of peace in the Bible is, is I think the sense that we're talking about it here. It's a reconciliation sense of peace, to make peace between two enemies, okay? To make peace between two enemies. The absence of war, as it were, Right? To make peace between two enemies. And God makes peace between us and himself. We're his enemies. By how? Through the cross. Right? So through the cross, God reconciles us to him. And part of reconciliation is to make peace. Where there was hostility, now there's peace. And in, 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 in let's just look at some of the... I've got three uh, applications here. One, Jesus brings peace uh, and reconciliation between you and God. That's what he came to do. He reconciled us through the cross. He reconciled us through the cross. He made peace between us and God because there was not peace. There was enmity. There was war. There was hostility. Secondly, especially in the near context of the chapter, but I think it applies to us today, he made peace between the Jews and the Gentiles. Because that's exactly what he's talking about here in Ephesians 2. In fact, in much of the New Testament, the idea... To the Jews, that the Gentiles were on level with them? That was, like, unheard of, man, you know? I mean, that'd be like, you know, to, that'd be like us saying, you know, to us, you know, I don't know, like, like monkeys or something are on par with us. I mean, to the Jews, looked at the Gentiles as, as like, subspecies of human, right? I mean, they weren't even, they weren't even allowed to, to eat with them, much less they intermarry or anything. I mean, they were like, they were like dogs, Right? And Jesus comes and reconciles them. And, and we have this ministry of Paul going all around saying, hey, guess what? You are both equally heirs in Christ. Jesus is like, what? Man, for 2,000 years we've been doing the opposite, right? The Gentiles are like, really? You know, we, we don't have to stand on the outside. You know, we're, we're in. And there was a lot of hostility, right? Because even though they knew that, you know, they'd argue with one another. You know, Jews like, say, so you've got to be circumcised. Gentiles are like, oh well, huh? Right? And, and everybody's kind of arguing with everybody all the time. Even though they both know they're one in Christ, they had a hard time kind of coming together. You know? We have a hard time coming together. Right? I think, I think that you know, God broke down forever the wall between the Jew and the Gentile. Forever. There's one people of God. I was going to bring for an illustration. We just bought a, a little puppy. we bought two puppies. And they were expensive as all get out, by the way. And uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. There's this little poodle, standard poodle pup, it's got a pedigree, like a really long one. So we, we'd register with AKC and you can get like, I don't know, 15 generations of, of this poodle. You know, I know that better than my own. I, I don't even know my own generation that, that far back. Well, on one side we do. But, but this pedigree is like really important because this proves that the poodle is authentic, right? It proves the poodle is a good poodle. Now, oh, she's a good dog. But, but that, that, that pedigree is important. And, they, and it costs a lot more money to get a dog with that pedigree, right? Why? Because it proves the poodle's authentic. It proves the poodle's really a poodle, you know? It's like mom and dad, you know, these great poodles, this long line of poodles. Uh, this is kind of a ridiculous analogy, but there's this long line of great poodles, and now we have our poodle named Duty, Duty the Pooty, and uh, the beauty, I don't know, what's her name, Blackie? I don't know what we call her, Lady. Well, we don't know what her name is yet, but, but anyhow, the, the pedigree shows her authenticity, right? And that's what the Jews did, that's how the Jews saw themselves, right? They had, they had a pedigree. They they knew it all the way back. They knew what tribe they were from, right? They all came from Jacob. They knew their tribe. They knew all that stuff, and they and they that's what they would show to God. It's like, see, I'm authentic, one of your people, and they've been doing that for millennia. And Jesus comes and breaks the whole thing down. Says, throw the pedigree out. Guess what? Uh, God has no grandchildren. We all come to God through Christ on a one to one personal relationship with Christ. That was, that, was, that was major, and it still is major, and we're still suffering from that. We still have trouble with Jew and Gentile relationships, right? Um, and, uh, and we still need to, to remember that we are one in Christ. It does not matter who your grandpa is, right? It doesn't matter what country you're from. God says he has his people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. His people are in Bulgaria. His people are in Bolivia. You know, his people are in, 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 in everywhere, Right, and it doesn't matter where you come from, and, and and that reconciliation, Jesus brought that peace and that reconciliation. He reconciled all people groups to Himself, and so when we come to Him, it doesn't matter what you are. We're we're Christ. That's that's who are. That's that's who are. That's our that's our race. Uh, there there is no such thing as race. Race is just is, is is obliterated in Jesus. Right, we're all one in Him. But here's the final thing: is that Jesus brings reconciliation between. The, among the body of Christ. So, so the Jew and Gentile example, if they could do it, and if God expected them to do it, why can't we do it? Okay? Why can't we do it? Why do we put up these walls between ourselves? Why do we build these walls as Christians that, that, you know, that, that, that separate us? You know, you could separate over 150 different things easily uh, that, that I could think. Of. I started making a list last night. I ran out of things, you know? Uh, that, that we can disagree about. We can disagree about so many things, right? Um, I don't know, Arminian or a Calvinist. You know, I don't know ordo uh, does, you know? Do you, do, you, do you accept Jesus and then you're regenerated, or are you regenerated and then you accept Jesus? All these things that we, you know, kind of ponder all the time. Look, a doctor one time told me, he said, Look, Tom, I, uh, I said something wrong with my ear. And uh, he, uh, he said it could be two different things. And he tells me it would be one thing, it could be the other thing. I said, well, which one is it? You know, it really matters. He says, well, you know what? The cure for both of those things is the same thing. Take antibiotics. He says, so the antibiotics will cure it if it's, if, it's, if it's condition A. It'll cure it if it's condition B, if it'll cure it. So he says, you know what? I don't see any reason to go do further tests to determine which one of those it is because the cure is the same. Yeah, you know, the cure is the same. It doesn't matter which one of those it is. If it's one, it'll cure it. If it's the other, it'll cure it. So I want to just ask, you know, kind of pose the question to you. Does it really matter that ordo salutis? I mean, I know it matters, you know, in, in one sense, but does, does it matter in terms of what we're supposed to do about it? Does it change the fact that we need to put our faith and trust in Christ? I mean, honestly, does that change that fact? It doesn't change that fact. We do the same thing, it's the same cure. The cure is Christ. It doesn't matter what the order is. And if you ever want to resolve the conflict, by the way, uh, which has been going on for a long time, uh, and it probably will, and I think God, you know what? Look, here's the deal. I've prayed about this so much. I think God gives us sometimes conflict, and, and he doesn't tell us exactly everything in his word. You know, you read one passage, it looks like, you know, it's like, well, now I'm an Arminian. You read the next passage, so oh, now I'm I a Calvinist. I mean, I don't know. You know, it seems to say one thing and the other thing. I think God purposefully does that to get us into his word, to get us to trust him, to get us to work with one another. You know, And I, and I think that, that that's really important. I really, really believe that. Um, I had a friend of mine. We had this big crisis at a church plant I was in one time uh, over Arminianism and Calvinism. And uh, you know, many felt strongly on both sides. And uh, finally a guy gets up and talk about peacemaker. He says, you know what? He says, do you think that... Uh, you make a decision for Christ that you, that you repent, and then God changes your heart. He said, you think God changes your heart, and then you're able to repent. He says, you know what I think? He says, I think it happens simultaneously. Everybody's like, wait a minute, we have nothing to argue about now. If it's simultaneously, then, then like, could you both of them are right, you know? Look, I don't understand. I don't know about this. I went to seminary. I thought, here's what I thought. I thought I'm going to go to seminary, and it's going to be awesome. You know, I'm going to, uh, and so I did. I quit my engineering executive job. I went to seminary, freaked out my wife. She got her nursing degree out and dusted it off. She thought I was, it wasn't dead. I mean, I still made some money. Um, but I thought, you know what? I'm going to go to seminary. I spent five years studying under the best professors in the best scholarship, learning Greek, learning Hebrew, learning systematic theology, church history, because I just had a few little questions I wanted to tidy up. You know, ordo salutis. Man, I really wanted to get that straight. Uh, End times. You know, I wanted to get that straight. You know, is it dispensationalism? Is it not? You know, I wanted to tie up these few little untidy ends I had, and I was going to go to seminary and and learn all that stuff and get a perfect systematic theology and put it in a box and put a bow on it and say, "There, I have my perfect systematic theology." You know what happened? That didn't happen. I have more questions now than I had before. Because guess what? God leaves a lot of stuff hard to understand. And that shouldn't surprise us. He's the almighty creator of the universe. Anybody that can speak and create the cosmos, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me that I don't understand some of his ways. Okay? So all I can say is that that Jesus brings peace and reconciliation. And we have a lot of differences. And I'm not saying that those don't matter. Please don't misunderstand me. I think it's important. You know, I personally lean toward... God regenerates our heart, and then we are able to decide. I think the preponderance of Scripture makes me lean that way. However, I also understand there's a lot of Scripture that says I have to believe and repent, and that, and that, and that because of that, uh, God saves me. So I, I don't know how to resolve that. I'm not here to do that today. But what I am here to do is to preach peace and reconciliation in the body of Christ. It just happens to be where we're at in Bible study. I don't know if this applies to your church or not. Uh, but I, I should, it certainly applies to my life, and I'm so thankful God led Peter uh, to talk about reconciliation as well. At the end of the day, that's why Jesus came. He came to reconcile us to God. He came to reconcile us to each other, and that's the indicative mood, and the imperative mood is, is that we're supposed to be reconciled, right? He reconciles us. Be reconciled. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for these wonderful folks, for their attention I just pray that you bless us, bless this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's, sing, uh, let's stand and sing uh, the doxology, please. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.